same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Welcome to year three. Okay, it's a little bit past year three, but it feels like this is the appropriate time to be like, welcome to year three. And I have brought back my one and only inspiration for the podcast, Katie. (laughs) Hello. It's the writer friend I always talk about and the one who has a fun black cat and many other things. But this was brought because I feel like I was inspired. It's like, well you i don't know i don't want to speak for you but i was just kind of like well i feel like we should just talk about it in a podcast and like me try to write some very nice wording and post something so katie how's it going what do you what do you what do you like to share anything at all related to your adoption <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> Hi, um, it's been a long time since I've been back here. Like maybe even say two years. I think yeah. the last time we recorded, I was we were all like mid deep in the pandemic, not mm-hmm. deep in the pandemic. Yeah, it's been a long time. I guess in that time, I've been writing. I've been trying to finish this story, finish what I've been doing with my my memoir, <laughs> and just you know. I guess everything that comes with it. But yeah, I feel honored, first of all, to be back here. So thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, thank you for bringing me on. I think it's a great opportunity to share what I've been up to and kind of just, I guess, take inventory for myself of what I've been doing. Because sometimes mm. it's just been, you know, a very like stop and go kind of thing. Like I've been fast forwarding, winding, like it's just been so quick, everything. Mm-hmm from 2020 to now. I think it's a great opportunity to share what I've been up to and kind of do it anyway. Yeah, so I've been working on my book. Um, for those of you who are meeting me for the first time, my name's Katie, I'm a Chinese adoptee. Um, and I was actually at the same orphanage Tara was when uh, we were adopted, but at different times. Um, mm-hmm. I was adopted at six months old. And as you all know, Tara was adopted at four years old. But we were there at the same time, which is really cool. Get that crossover. Yeah. And we kind of met naturally uh, through a Chinese adoptee Facebook group. And Tara reached out to me because I wrote about my search. And from there, it's been five years of friendship, sisterhood, and sharing adoption together. So sorry. (laughs) To bring it back, I guess, to the, the question. Yes, I've been writing a memoir about adoption called Uprooted and more importantly about my search for my birth parents and the passing away of my father from cancer, my adopted father from cancer uh, when I was 16. And basically I'd say the story is almost done. It's pretty Mm. wild that, yeah, that it's coming to an end. And I I really can't believe, (laughs) I guess one, how long it took, but two, how much went into it. Um, and, and the process of writing it and creating this story that honestly I didn't even know I was going to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started a long time ago in 2014 when I was in actually a memoir class. Uh, I was studying psychology at college. So I was supposed to be, meant to, I, I thought, meant to be a psychologist. And then, 
you know, I got into this memoir class and I started reading some memoirs and I started writing about my dad who had already passed at that point. And it just mm-hmm. felt really natural. It felt really right. And from there, it kind of just grew. And then I took a giant interest in my birth parents and I did a search in 2017. And that's where the second part of the story comes in. And kind of, I guess, the reason why I'm writing Rooted is a lot about identity you know, finding who you are in the midst of loss and uncertainty. And um, I think it's also about what it's like to be adopted. So I'll stop there and let you take over. <laughs> it was very long. No, no, that's that's exactly what I was going for. So okay, <laughs> like, hey, cool. yeah. Yeah, I thought it would be, I just noticed I feel like a change or a shift in like how we both approach our adoption and like our identity recently especially over the two years since doing the podcast. And then I mean, before that, even I think we noticed shifts with each other, like in our journey. I think in the beginning, I was really like not too in tune with like talking with adoptees or really like my adoption. And then you were the first person I really spoke about it with like openly. It's like, oh, okay, there's like this whole other world. And then like, I read your drafts and I was like, wow, like somebody's writing about, like you're writing about this. It's just like pretty intense. I was like, well, I am not 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 a writer in this way, so let's find another outlet for expressing our ideas. And that's how we can podcast. And then presently, I feel like there's been the shift of a little bit of because you've been in New York City for mm-hmm. some time, five years. Five years. I mean, like, yeah, maybe maybe four or five years living in the city, and then college yeah. was another four years. So, like. I guess all around. So like, yeah, yeah, nine inch. Yeah, you know, living in the city five years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when I moved up to New York City, you were the only person I knew, and I I don't think we were like super close yet, but we were like kind of still like acquainted. So you helped me like learn about New York City and the life here, and then when I really got involved in New York City and stuff started to sort of open up, I got really involved with adoptee communities. So there's also known as and uh, I don't know if CCI is up here, but I know they exist. Uh, oh, well, subtle Asian adoptee traits. That's like a whole nother group mm-hmm. that blossomed during the pandemic and they have meetups and stuff every so often here. But also known as is, I think the organization I probably participated more than usual. Mm-hmm. And they have events, a lot of virtual ones, but they had in-person, a writing workshop recently. It was actually a two-part writing workshop Oh, yes. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, Katie's a writer, and I want to invite her to, like, you should come to this writing workshop. I don't really know what that really entails, but it's for adoptees. So that's, I think, where, like, another big shift happened for maybe your journey or mine, too. Yeah, in different ways. I think we both found, like, different ways of our journeys, how they kind of developed. Like, I think oh, yeah. for, yeah. We noticed it in each other. It was like... <laughs> oh tell me more tell me more yes. about your your journey <laughs> for those of you who don't know which is mainly the entire adoptee community i've been very very shy and very hesitant to participate in i guess anything that has to do with adoptees because i think i not only was overwhelmed by my own story but i was scared that i wouldn't be able to take on i guess the the sharing of other stories and, and mm-hmm. not because I can't 
take it in or, you know, empathize or be a part of them. It was more like, I didn't know what that would do to me personally. Mm-hmm. But basically, two weeks ago, Tara invited me to a writing workshop for adoptees um, with uh, AKA and um, a woman who is the creator and owner, essentially, of Lost Lit. And ironically, I had heard of Lost Lit before, but I didn't know. It's like a workshop that covers grief and many other wonderful things if you check it out. But anyway, sorry. No, no, that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, so I uh, looked up Lost Lit and I realized that they were the ones hosting the workshop and I could not believe that one, they were doing a workshop with adoptees and two, that Tara was showing me this. Like, mm-hmm. it was just really interesting to kind of have that crossover because Tara and I have shared a lot of things about adoption, about New York, but this was like, to me, like the, the crossroads, like the real intersection. And um, I also didn't know anything about AKA. I never, you know, in any group setting with adoptees, let alone a writing group setting or like workshop, but something told me to go. So I went mm. and Tara, I went with Tara and she was absolutely right. We both discovered a lot about ourselves and about our relationship with adoption and how we feel, um, I feel about, I guess, adoption in general in terms of like yeah. expressing it. Um, I know I personally just felt an overwhelming feeling of belongingness and, and joy in, in a way that I honestly didn't know I could feel. So mm-hmm. as I've told Tara, it actually had the opposite effect on me. Like here I was so scared to do it, but I think that's exactly why I did it. Like I, I knew it was mm-hmm. time. I knew it was really, you know, overdue to push myself and just like get in there. And I told myself, you know, if, if it doesn't work out and if you don't like it, you don't have to go to another one ever again. Yeah. There was just like a power and there was just a empowering feeling of being there and sitting with all these adoptees, not just from China, Korea, I think we had Colombia and uh, Honduras. Like it was just mm-hmm. a feeling I never knew I needed. I didn't know it was missing, but something I'm really glad that I felt. So in general, this has definitely changed my like perception and feeling of adoption overall. And it really did like resonate and echo with me in, in so many ways. And like, I've never experienced something so powerful, like hearing your own language be spoken to you in different ways, through different mm-hmm. stories, with the same core feeling. Like that was something I, I think I really needed. And as I've been telling Tara, like, this is a turning point for me in terms of healing and even looking at my own story a little differently and asking oh, yeah. myself, you know, what, like, what is, what is, um, I guess the final outcome of your story and of your overall feelings of adoption at this point in time. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I remember when I mentioned the workshop, I was like, there's this writing workshop and I'm not sure if you want to go, but it says writing and I actually didn't read anything about it. So when you're like, oh, it's Lost Lit with Lynn. And I was like, I don't know any of those people or what that means. And I definitely just showed up to that workshop not really prepared for what it could be. And it ended up being a lot more intense and emotional than I expected. Because I would say that was like the true first time where I voiced. Is that Kage? I'm sorry if you hear my cat in the background. (laughs) He's talking to me. He's chirping. He's trying to tell me to get off the computer. Oh, God. Very needy we cat. Love we love him. <laughs> He's not the first guest cat ex- uh, 
guest cat. Oh, really? Yeah. I think oh, we had a couple others. This cat, leave us alone. <laughs> He's about to climb you like a tree. There we go. I love it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Kage, what are you doing? Up to no good. Kage, Kage, look at me. Look at me. Love us. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god. Is this going to be the headshot? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Kage, get back here. But yeah, going. So the workshop for me, I think, was like the first time I really voiced a lot of stuff that I probably have only talked about with you or like therapy yeah. I want to say which actually I did start therapy again and focusing really on my relationship with like my parents and my brothers and whatnot and learning and like all right, I gotta dive into this stuff about my relationship dynamic with my family because if I don't it's just gonna keep festering and it won't get any better I mean it hasn't really gotten much better but it's gotten a little bit better um, but yeah, I definitely, yeah, I straight up cried in that workshop, the first one. And I was like, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I can't finish reading this piece that I wrote about a memory of like a photo or something like that. Uh, Cause I wrote about my dad as well. I think, I think you wrote about mm -hmm. your dad too, but I did. A, of course yes. in a different way. Mm -hmm. And you actually shared your writing on the page that you made for your, for your memoir. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Oh, that, that was that workshop was some powerful, powerful stuff. Cause um, as Tara knows, like I don't really do. I'm horrible at PR, and I don't do PR for my my book or anything like that. So this really kind of put a, a fire under me and got me like inspired me to share without feeling, you know, so in my head. I guess mm -hmm. so uh, self conscious about what it was gonna look like, what people would think. Just like just do it, put it out there, and do it. It's time. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I did share. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, because you're doing it for yourself, really, which I think. Right. Stuff that is created from when we're doing it for ourselves tends to have a better outcome, maybe. I mean, that, that could be just my, my experience. <laughs> no, totally. But I think your page is Uprooted Memoir, right? It is, yes. Okay. I named it that because Uprooted was taken, and also I wanted people to know it was a memoir. So I was like, ah. I'll just make it very simple and just keep it that way. Yep. Uprooted yep. memoir. I was like, and that sculpture that I saw, I think like a week, no, it was the day before oh, yeah. the second workshop. It was a sculpture at a, it's called the Waterfall Mansion Gallery, which is in like the Upper East Side, and it actually does have a waterfall. And a lot of artists there are mostly. They're mostly Asian because it is also AAPI Heritage Month. Yes, by it the way, is. May represent. Does <laughs> it represent? And yes. the one sculpture was actually not made by an Asian artist, but it was still very cool. But it was made of copper wire, and it was tree yeah. a tree, and all the roots below it, and in it said "We touch the sky," and I was like, "Whoa!" Beautiful. Talk about some symbolism. Because mm -hmm. I sent that yeah. to you immediately. I was like, "Wait a minute." Oh, I was speechless. I was blown away looking at the yeah. sculpture. Well, for $30,000, it's ours. <laughs> I 
I think a picture will be just fine. Just, oh you know, my gosh. Keep from memory's sake for free. <laughs> I don't need it on my wall. It's okay. It's huge. It was pretty big too. I was like, uh, it's really pretty, but I was like, what? Who has $30,000 to buy this gold? I'm in Upper West Side. Upper East Side. Of course, there's somebody who did. But that was the day before the second workshop, which was kind of an informal thing, but we, the same people who attended the first workshop were invited to the second one. And that one... I was late, which is not something that usually happens. <laughs> but I feel like in that one, it was more empowering than it was emotional. Because it's like, oh, I almost knew what I was in for this time. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, I need to do this, this release. Because it did feel good after the first time. It's like, I need to do this release in order to like help heal or figure out how to grow from my current experience. Absolutely. It's like powerful. I mean- it still felt like word vomiting, but it felt like uh, mm-hmm. controlled word vomiting, if it makes any sense. Like, yeah. like the first time, it was like you didn't know what to expect. So you were just all over the place and feelings and emotions, but mm-hmm. and, and like just reactions too. But this time, like you said, we knew what we were in for. And I feel like we, you and I at least, we really pushed ourselves to write about things that made us uncomfortable and, and mm-hmm. made us really think about where we are with our own relationships with our adopted family and we're you know our birth family and just adoption in general so yeah, yeah. that workshop we did some work like we did we a did workout some work. that one <laughs> those both were pretty emotionally draining i was like all right enough about adoption for like a like few days because that <laughs> yes. was it was too much yes. yeah yeah i was like we just need to take a moment <laughs> oh no yeah I also thought this would be a good opportunity because, like, all right, year three, timing just worked out. But I, I know, like, I have talked about, like, how we met because people ask, like, oh, mm-hmm. how did you start the podcast? It's like, well, I was inspired by Katie. And they're like, oh, who's Katie? It's like, well, and then you go to the whole thing. And I've always <laughs> been like, she's a writer. She's writing a memoir. And I was like, but I don't really want to talk about her memoir because I feel like you still were not exactly, like, mm-hmm. super open about your story in that way. So I was like, now I get the exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you i appreciate that for waiting so long it was like i guess it was like about two years too yeah because i remember when i started i was like hey you have this memoir and it's obviously in drafts and everything I was like, mm-hmm. do you ever want to like talk about it my the long game i was like oh eventually i feel like this will be a good <laughs> platform to be like hey this memoir guys read it um, yeah because some people's because i definitely know some people who've wrote thesis and different things and outlets for like discovering their adoption i'm always like tell me more about it on this podcast ah okay so it's finally my turn to yeah (laughs) take the opportunity to tell okay yeah (laughs) thank you i guess i would say i wrote this memoir and this it did become my thesis during my mfa but i wrote this memoir because i wanted something like this growing up really important to have a documented history whether it's creative writing, autobiography, or just something to share with other adoptees who feel the same, you know, mm-hmm. feelings growing up. And, and, you know, and not having a guide as a kid was really, really hard, especially in a very white town. So I wrote this with the intent and passion to share my story with others and hope that it helps them share theirs or find something in their story I guess that resonates or, or just helps them understand themselves more. Cause I mean, honestly, like going through my own process of writing it, it's absolutely helped me understand myself more um, as a person and as an adoptee and as a writer. Um, so I guess to kind of dive 
deeper. My my memoir is truly about loss, identity, and searching for something that might not be there, like kind of just the unknown and embracing mm. that. This memoir is chronological and it kind of just goes, I guess, period by period of the most significant moments in my life where adoption really mattered and where I guess things changed and how I saw adoption myself. So basically, I decided to search for my birth parents in 2017. It was a year after I graduated college and I just felt this overwhelming feeling to to know who I am on a level that I, you know, was not able to access or have any answers to in my past. And it just felt really important for me at that time to discover those roots that I felt I was deprived of that maybe most many not all adoptees feel on some level and so my I have cousins actually that live in Shenzhen China they are American but they teach at an international school in China and they've been living there for almost 11 years so mm. when I was getting ready for my search I knew I would stay with them so I booked a flight to China Boston to Hong Kong because I'm from Boston and the plan honestly was to just hang up flyers in my hometown in our hometown mm. Ningbo and I had, you know, judging from research I had done and just, you know, things I watched, I, this is, to me, that was the best way to go about this search. Just put flyers on, on the city walls and see if anyone, you know, remembers me. Because I know, um, you know, there have been times when people recognize a child because the village was so small and no one ever left. And that was my truest hope, that someone remember me. But what actually happened was very different. I boarded the plane. <laughs> I was in Boston. I boarded the plane at like 1 a.m. Um, said bye to my mom. My mom was the one who said bye to me at the airport. And I got on the plane and I ended up sitting next to a very interesting woman who was Chinese and uh, quite frankly, a little nosy. Um, <laughs> we were in the air for about three hours and I was kind of like going in and out of sleep. And yeah. I just, I remember I felt a tap on my shoulder and I was like, who is that? We've been in the air less than like, you know, 10 hours and going to China, like you mentally prepare how many hours you want to sleep, how many hours you want to stay awake and all that fun stuff. So I was like, all right, mm -hmm. who's, who's uh, coming in between this, this <laughs> precious sleep time that I've scheduled. Anyway, it was a woman, I won't say her name on here, um, but a woman uh, who was, I guess, pretty interested in just talking to me and saying hi. Maybe that's just something people do when they're on a long flight. And so we end up talking. I say hi, introduce myself. And she slowly figures out that I'm an adoptee and that I'm not Chinese, like in that sense of being born in China or being Chinese, you know, with a Chinese family, raised in America. And as we're sitting there, she looks down on the ground and she happens to see my flyers that are kind of hanging out of my bag. And... Um, she asks what they are, and I was like, okay, you can either say something or not. Just, you know, this is your chance mm -hmm. to be open with it, or just leave it alone and leave it there. But for some reason, I felt, you know, the need to share, and I did want to share. And so I, I showed her my flyer, my finding poster that I made, I should be more specific. And um, she actually knew Mandarin, like I said, she is Chinese, and she... Um, later on told me she grew up in China, but she lives here and she teaches at a university in America. Anyway, she looks at my flyer and she immediately offers to help. She offers to edit my flyer 
And then she actually ended up offering to accompany me all the way to Ningbo because she's from Fujian and she was not mm. that far away from me in terms of like just, you know, being in the same location at the same time. And I was floored. I did not expect that at all. And so basically by the end of the flight, we had each other's WeChat, uh, you know, information. And from that moment on, like my search changed. Everything that I had planned went out the window. And this was a whole new search, a whole new, mm-hmm. honestly, like chapter in traveling to China. Because I've been to China before. Um, I've been two other times before this time. And, you know, I, I kind of just expected it to go one way, the way I planned. And just completely derailed everything. It was really mm-hmm. exciting, but also really just overwhelming. There's no other word for it. And so basically, um, when I am in China with my cousins, when I finally get there, this woman that I was speaking to uh, contacts me, as promised, and she actually gets together a group of news reporters, translators, and TV, I guess, broadcasters um, to help me out with my search. And I'd say within a week or less, they found two birth families that wanted to meet me and do a DNA test together. And then they also found a policewoman that found me as a baby. And mm. they, yeah, they, they all wanted to meet me and, and come together in Ningbo. And at that time, I what I was like two weeks, I was one week into China and I had planned to go to Ningbo in my third week, I think. I planned to stay there a whole month. So my third week, I was going to go out there. So mm. like, basically, while I was sitting in my cousin's house and just enjoying China and like enjoying my trip in Shenzhen, like everything was building. They were finding people. They were, you know, sending me articles that they made for me about my search. And like, it was just very uh, overstimulating, super, super just like dense and and very different from what I expected on this trip. And so, um, yeah, by the time I met them and we did, I don't want to like, you know, I'm not trying to gloss over it, but I'm trying to not say too much on here. But by the time we met and we did the DNA test, that was when it really hit me that things were never going to be the same. Like in my Mm. life in my relationship to adoption, even my, even my, um, my trip in China, like everything was just so different. And it took a lot of years to not only one, talk about it and write about it, but really process it and understand it mm-hmm. and make sense of what happened. And it's actually how I met you. I put a tiny post on that page talking about how this search changed my life and how it really did change my outlook of how I see adoption and my own, you know, um, wants and in need in terms of just viewing birth parents. And um, that's kind of how it all really came together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been writing about that for a long time. And I think that's all I should say. I think everyone knows now (laughs) a lot of (laughs) things happen in a very short period of time on this search. And um, what happens as a result is also very different from what I expected. And that too is I feel the main reason why I am writing this memoir. Mm-hmm. At least for the adoption and search side on top of my dad. Yeah, so. I was gonna say that's just one part yeah. of it because there there I think when I read your story, there's like a lot of other parts to it. I feel like yes. mainly like three parts, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean Tara has graciously read my story like maybe three times now. So I really I am very grateful and very touched. <laughs> and so but yes many parts still working in progress um to Mm -hmm. finish the final ending but i feel like it's pretty much solidified at this point 
Yeah, I was going to say, you've been working on that for as long as I've known you for sure. So it's, it's been yeah. some time. Yes. And then I think I wrote this in the notes, but I was like, oh, and like possibly the title could change. So you never know. I don't know. That's true. It's funny. Like I didn't really have a title for this book for a really long time. And then my cousin who lives in China, he just, he thought of it one day and he sent it to me. He's like, what about Uprooted? And I was like, that feels right. <laughs> it feels very um, symbolic of what's happened every time. You know, I mm. feel like I've been uprooted in life and um, had to literally just like go from one, you know, comforting spot and place and home to another. And maybe that's how other adoptees feel. And maybe that is a universal feeling of adoption of just being uprooted mm. constantly and being planted somewhere else, growing and then being uprooted again. And at least in my life, that's what it's been like for me. So mm -hmm. that title feels appropriate. I don't know, maybe the editors will have something else to say, but for now, that, that's what feels right. So that's the title. <laughs> I did think of something. Maybe I'll add great. workshop and therapy it's like about being seen and it's mm -hmm. like a connection to roots and trees and everything as we mentioned earlier earlier even with like the sculpture it's like you only see a certain part of the tree and above but you don't see what's underground and it's almost like as you just said that it's like as you like are being uprooted and being replanted you're seeing like all the roots underneath and mm -hmm. I feel like as adoptees sometimes we just we want to be seen in the way, the ways we express how to be seen or to be noticed are very different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was like some killer insight from, uh, from the therapist. I was like, Dad, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, she was, she was on point about that. And I was like, Oh, really shocking for you to say that. But it all just seems to always connect. Like one thing really does represent another. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us do, genuinely do want to be seen in the way we do it is uh, I think like writing is one one outlet for you and then for me would be I guess this podcast and then there's other ways that we want to be seen like you know art modeling <laughs> for instance for me yeah. which was a very interesting thought I was like oh yeah I didn't think about that hmm. I mean when you you know when you brought this to my attention and told me and rather shared with me what you're what what this therapist said, I, I was pretty blown away too, because I think yeah. I write to be seen because I don't feel like I was heard enough or seen enough in my own community growing up and in my own, I guess, misplaced community growing up. Absolutely. Mm. And I think though, another reason why I continue it is to, to make sure that that doesn't happen to other people. To other they, people. They can feel like they have something they can go to, even if it's just a book or like, just pages words on a page yeah like reading some because i i think this conversation has come up a lot with like uh, adoptees it's like we have those communities and you have all those posts and stuff in the facebook groups but at mm -hmm. the same time it's it's like a different way having a book separate from like those posts and stuff because it's a lot to like take in oh, uh, it is <laughs> Those communities are very helpful too. Uh, Facebook in general, surprisingly, or I guess it's Meta now. I whatever it is. <laughs> who knows? But who knows? Meta. Maybe Elon Musk will buy it. Who knows? <laughs> it's just 
time period of the times nothing like that but <laughs> actually because of facebook too just recently and i'm just like this timing is crazy but uh, a memory popped up one of those like memory popped mm-hmm. up there was a picture that somebody had tagged me in and like another person in it and it was like on a roller coaster i'm looking at the picture and it's me this person and another chinese adoptee from high school wow and i don't know if i told you this but i was like I feel I feel like I did, but maybe I didn't. But if I didn't, so I was, and she's tagged. So I clicked her name, and I go to her profile, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" I had said, I think I said on the most like recent episode of doing this, was like, "Oh yeah, I don't think I really like knew other." I knew like a lot of diverse people in high school, like we were in a diverse community, but I don't remember meeting like other Chinese adoptees. I can take that back now because 100 was this other Chinese adoptee. She is in a year below us. Okay in high school so like it's like i'm a senior we were seniors or mm-hmm. juniors She's or whatever junior. and then mm-hmm. so she would be a junior or sophomore and i'm just like wait a minute this girl's a chinese adoptee and i didn't even think about that i think i did think of her in passing when i started this project and it just like escaped my mind again but seeing that like pop up in the memory i was like you know what? i'm gonna reach out to this person so i messaged or i tried to find wow. their socials and on instagram and i was like this person does a lot of art stuff like has an etsy shop for oh my gosh what is it when you preserve flowers from like a wedding whatever that's called oh, like stained glass like still i know you're talking what about are, yeah whatever that is like so she does that or something yeah 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 like cool. my my good friend did it and i have like her a, a coaster of her like mm-hmm. flower and like i forget resin when they do this yes. resin yes. whatever yes. preserving cool. whatever uh-huh so it's like Oh, it's like she has an Etsy shop. She's in medical school or finished medical school, whatever it is. She's engaged. And it was like, this girl has a whole life. So I messaged her. I was like, hey, how are you? Just out of the blue, it's like, hey, how are you? I saw this picture of us screaming on a roller coaster from 12 years ago. <laughs> and I realized you're a Chinese adoptee. And I started a podcast about Chinese adoption. And she's like, oh, that's really cool. I was like, so you're a Chinese adoptee. And we've never really talked about our adoption, by the way. But would you like to be on this podcast? <laughs> and she responded. She's like, yeah, no, that'd be really cool. I was like, I was just shocked for a second. Wow. I was like, wow. Like, so that will be a conversation I'm looking forward to. Because technically, we have known of each other, I would say, for years. But I don't think we ever explicitly would, like, so adoption, how do you feel about being like a Chinese adoptee? Mm-hmm. And she does have a younger sister as well who's adopted mm-hmm. from China. Okay. I don't know whereabouts, but I think they're like different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like two years apart or three years apart. I was like, what the heck? Wow, but that's very full circle. Because I feel yeah. like even if you guys were together at that time, it's not like you're ready to talk about it. And yeah, now you have a full-blown, you know, like platform space and home mm-hmm. for talking about adoption and for adoption with yourself so it, i think it makes sense that you found it now and that that you found it now right come back right and, you know and talk to her in a way you probably wouldn't have been able to before right that's really like, cool because that is somebody from high school and it's like i don't yeah. think too fondly in my high school years or really like any of my education years but the just seeing that i was like whoa okay and then there are other adoptees I knew from the dancing group, the dancing troupe that I was a part of, but we didn't all mm-hmm. go to the same high school. So it's like, all right, uh, I don't know what they're up to now. I mean, I could probably go back and 
to a rabbit hole and find them too <laughs> but it was like all right one at a time <laughs> yeah i was like yeah. one at a time it's amazing because people connect other adoptees to me too chinese adoptees mostly it's like hey this person's adoptee too it's like cool it's great it's great it kind of feels like it's a lifetime connection even if you don't talk for x amount mm-hmm. of years or you don't even acknowledge that each other you know are kind of alive because you're doing your own thing yeah i know i was adopted with two other girls who uh, became my chinese cousins essentially and I don't think I've talked to them since we were like five. Like we stopped all meeting up. It was just two girls that I came up with. And yeah, I think everyone just lost touch, but it's, mm-hmm. it'd be pretty crazy to see where they are now. I think I follow one on Instagram. We follow each other. Um, so that's kind of cool, but I, I feel like that's not, you know, the full story. Like, I don't really know how they're right. doing, but it is cool to see them just grow up and have an ex- entirely different experience in life. Like of their own personal life and then with adoption um, yeah was kind of my only I mean aside from my sister who's also adopted like that was the only uh other I guess exposure I'll call it of mm-hmm. being around adoptees at a very young age so yeah pretty isolating think, out here <laughs> yeah I was like oh I'm not really connecting with other adoptees what it's a uh, because I think even adoptee Chinese adoptees who have been who are now I mean born in 2000 right like after the 2000s yeah some of them are like 21 22 now and I was just like wow like we're we're hitting that point where we are that wave of like becoming adults essentially Mm -hmm. getting to that to that I guess that time past the time of like insecurity like really strong insecurity that prevents you from like doing stuff because uh, i think 30s supposedly they say 30s and 40s is when it's like life is good but before that it's not always so <laughs> so charming it's not as great i and agree makes a lot of sense Just we're getting there mm-hmm. we're getting there i think i mean personally i've had a lot of time to acknowledge my adoption and just really you know face it embrace it you know, run from it, hide from it, all those things. And I definitely feel like I'm in a place where I can not only own like who I am and own, you know, uh, that I'm adopted, but really express it and speak about it in a way that is positive and um, encouraging as opposed to, I guess, something that is self-deprecating or, you know, self-harming, um, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad place to be if that if you are there it's just you know of course it's hard it's hard to see yourself outside of that so I just I'm glad I've moved away from that and I'm in a spot Mm -hmm. where now I guess you can say my outlet of course is writing and just putting in one place and kind of like naming it you know just giving it a space and not letting it overpower me but rather me own it so that's really helped (laughs) yeah oh I'm sure yeah, it's like now, it's like not only do you have your writing, but you've also been introduced to like, there is this like big community here that exists. Yes. And there's just a lot of great people in it, and there's a lot of people that you may not get along with. I say that more for myself, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people in general just because we're adoptees doesn't mean we're all here. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we're still all people. We we're still humans. Mesh. Some don't. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel um, really grateful that you brought me into this community and this side of adoption that honestly I had no idea really existed. And, like, oh, and I think going forward, yeah, I'm gonna be a part of it. I'm gonna be more active. Yeah, hundred percent. And you'll find you'll find definitely like what parts of it like you really enjoy and what parts of it like oh i don't know because there's they have all different types of events and ways to like meet Mm -hmm. people and i do think there's lost my train of thought shoot Uh, darn oh well i will have to cut that out because i don't remember what i was gonna say but i mean you're talking about how like these meetups bring out different you know i guess people and different experiences for us both and how like Mm -hmm. i might meet people that I guess I click with and how there's just people that you might not click with. Yeah. I mean I was saying that too. Oh, I was gonna say that uh you you kind of like just dipped your toe in the sand, but you kinda of dipped your toe in the deep end because that writing <laughs> workshop was pretty pretty deep. It was intense. Oh yeah. Uh, like that's one way to start because I mean totally. my my introduction was like there was a hike. <laughs> I was like, oh well it's a hike can't be too deep on a hike and it really didn't get too deep on that hike but yeah. i was like okay you joined this really emotional powerful workshop and i went on a hike <laughs> that's what i meant I so mean, there's all different kinds of things when i think about it and ask myself like is there really any other way that i'd fall into this adoption community other than writing about adoption mm. so as tough as it was i think it's very fitting and it's very ironic that that's mm. how i found my way into the adoptee community <laughs> And I think that is ironic, yeah. Through your writing. I mean, I guess I found it through, like, physical work. So I was like, mm, it works. <laughs> wow. Well, that would be the roundup of... I feel like that's a really good end to the yeah. year three introduction. Everything. <laughs> I know. I mean, we, we'll continue to talk apart from this. But I was like, let's record all about it. Because yeah. it's an archive, too. I definitely treat this as an archive as well. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. Because I was listening to an episode that I recorded for a different podcast, the shape of a star podcast with the host, Danny, who is adopted from Hong Kong. But even we recorded that, I think June of 2021. So like a year ago. And I was like, wow, that's a strong down memory lane. Cause that's an archive too. I was like listening to the episode that I recorded with him. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, fangirling over this person who's like a big tiktoker <laughs> now and she's not uh, a Chinese adoptee but she still came on the podcast because it's like it's fine <laughs> very it's cool. fine anybody can come <laughs> oh, well, I mean primarily trying to stop you focused but <laughs> well thank you for having me Tara and thank you for letting me you know come back on one more time I'm sure this won't be the last. But... I was going to say, I'm going to keep having <laughs> you know? come back. <laughs> yeah, this has been great. So the Instagram for Uprooted Memoir is indeed how it sounds and spells, but it's... Yes, absolutely. You, is it Straight up. P-R-2-O's. T-E-D Memoir. Yeah, okay. And I'll write that down too. Okay. Yay, Uprooted Memoir. <laughs> yeah well that's it that's great <laughs> okay thank you for listening to abc adopted babies from china podcast if you would like to 
contact me, reach me at adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, that's it. Bye. Bye. Bye.